0: Shifta by Elizava, the online school for creativity, powers space. There is no future without female creators. Bienvenidas a Women at Work by Hey. Welcome to Women at Work by Hey. May has been a busy and very excited month. We are still trying to get over how unique the old festival was. It's been a month of concerns after what's happening with abortion rights in the U.S. and of celebration by the new painful period leave in Spain. We see ups and downs in our quest to make a more inclusive society every day and every month. In today's episode, we are honored to have another fantastic inspirational professional, a woman that has challenged everything. Carla Camila Hjort, welcome to Women at Work. Thank you so much and thank you for having me. Thanks to you. Carla, um, the more I research about your life, the more amazing it was, because uh, let me <laughs> just point it out. You're a dancer, a DJ, international music producer, meditation teacher and body therapist, an entrepreneur overall. You're the head of Art Revels, Revel Agency, Trailer Park Festival. Um, I, I will say overall creative soul, and of course, co-founder and director of Space Den, which is an experimental design and living lab, and future think tank that, alongside IKEA, wonders how to build a more sustainable future. How we're going to live in the future. This is what you've done, but um, how would you describe yourself, Carla?
1: Hmm. Uh, that's a good question. I think I would describe myself. I'm a I'm a true Kenyan in the sense that. I think I can appear maybe a little bit uh, tough on the outside, but I'm really soft on the inside. <laughs> um, so I think uh, I would definitely uh, consider myself very um, emotional in in a good way mm-hmm. uh, and also a true manifester. <laughs> I like that. In the sense that uh, and maybe that was also a little bit evident from what you just read up, but I've always had a... Somehow, natural ability to turn my dreams um, and visions into to reality, uh, and then I think a little bit of a sparkling of the rebel spirit on
0: top of everything exactly is also something that would define me. And um, just pointing out for for us to understand a little bit. So, what do you? What's your main goal on space? Then, what do you do there? Tell us a little bit more about it. Um, I
1: think, I mean, it. It. I would say it has two two chapters almost. I think there was the original chapter, which was uh, uh, when I founded it uh, back in the days. So, as you also mentioned, I, I have a creative agency called Art Rebels, and uh, through that, I got in contact with IKEA in 2012. We did our first collaboration with IKEA, where we designed a limited collection of mm-hmm. furniture. And that was a huge success. And in the process of that, I met the CEO, the global CEO, and he reached out to me a year later and said that he wanted to figure out or think about how he could design a better IKEA for the future. Wow. And if I would think about how I could potentially support him in that mission. And so to make a long short start, I came up with, a, together with a, one of my colleagues, I came mm-hmm. up with a sort of suggestion of how we could work with the IKEA vision of Mm -hmm. creating a better everyday life for the many people, but beyond home furnishing. So we basically ask ourselves, what could IKEA potentially look like in 10, 20 years if they were not in home furnishing, Mm -hmm. but have to live up to the vision of creating a better everyday life for the many people. So really thinking, you know, beyond what you would call call a core business and explore uh, new opportunities for a, a brand like IKEA to to be a positive force rather than a negative and extractive force uh, in, in the world. And, and so that was the starting point. And then I think I approached it very much as I do or did and do in, in most things that I do. I start building communities. And, and, and think about it in a very sort of activistic way, yeah. thinking about how we can disrupt and push IKEA. And then I think since I left as the director and, and let one of my young talents take over, uh, it changed characters. So today it's quite different, I would say. It's uh, closer to IKEA than we were in the beginning, the first three years. Uh, the last three years we have moved closer to IKEA and he's also a much more digital oriented person mm-hmm. than I am. I'm much more analog. <laughs> um, so it also became a little bit more digitally focused. So I, I would say that, you know, it, it's uh, it had I put in some intentions into it and then it has also transformed over time. And of course, I think that what's still left is the idea of exploring what, you know, how can we secure that we do things in better ways.
0: What are, um, according to your experience and all your research, what are the first areas that we need to tackle if we want to make a better living environment for everybody in the planet, let's say?
1: If you ask me on a personal level, I think I I should answer all of these questions as me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, It it would definitely be to, to... to tackle capitalism and to redesign our sort of liberal, neoliberal capitalistic systems. Hmm. Um, I think that is actually, if you look at it, it's the root cause of most of the worst things that are happening in the world right now, if not all. So I really do believe that actually a feministic economy would be a very good beginning uh, and would solve uh, potentially a lot of the biggest problems that we're facing right now. However, it's a, it's no small task to get there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, definitely, but little by little with people like you, I think we can get somewhere because how do you expect right now as it is looking um, for a, for a living to change in the following years? And I have a very negative perspective, but hopefully you won't.
1: Oh, no, God, um, no. <laughs> no I, I don't know. I'm both, I guess. But I think I have moved actually from when I started Space 10, I was very optimistic and I think also had more of a positive approach. Like I was like thinking more about the solution space and and what could be solutions to, to to different problems. But as I have gotten more deeply over the years into research and understanding the complexity of of things and really understanding the structural and systemic issues, I am beginning to also feel that it's it's a you know. I'm a little less optimistic, because some of the forces that drives this world, which are extremely masculine, patriarchal um, and and sort of um, based in in the need or the wish for power and money, um, you know, those kind of forces are kind of hard to overthrow uh, because they have no interest in overthrowing themselves. no, <laughs> and giving space for something else to come in. So the, uh, the question is really what needs to be done? Like, how can we, as the 99% of the world population, which is actually, should be us in power, mm-hmm. uh, how do we actually shift the power uh, dynamics of, of the current, uh, you know, world order, if you want? Mm, that's a good question. But uh, I'm, I mean, I'm we have to be hopeful. I, I, yeah. I have hope in the new generation, I would say. I think the next generation is much more aware and maybe also rooted, hopefully. I think mm. I have, you know, I, at least I didn't go out as a 14-year-old demonstrating every Friday and left school to, you know, to be a climate activist. And and I think, you know, you see some movements yeah. uh, in society that are positive, you know, anti-racism, uh, feministic yeah. movements, like, or intersectional movements um climate movements so there are like a lot of things happening that i do think is at least showing there's also a lot of new thinking within uh, economic systems which there hasn't been for 50 years so things are actually moving in a Hmm. possibly positive direction but there's also an undercurrent of shit
0: storms going on at the same time and um because we've been warned like many times, scientists have talked many times. Uh, we've watched, don't look up. But it seems that we always have, we as a society, we always have some sort of disconnection with, uh, the urgency of, of certain topics, like, for example, climate crisis. Why do you think, like, um, sustainability in this case is such a complicated topic to understand and to take action?
1: I think, some of it is, of course, because it feels, for many of us, especially in the global north, it still feels a little bit foreign and far away. Mm-hmm. We don't really feel the current consequences. So, of course, that's always one thing, if things feels a little bit far away. Um, and then I think another reason is probably because we're sometimes also looking in the wrong places. Uh, so we often put the, sort of the even the responsibility of the transition and the transformation on individuals instead of on the collective. Right. Uh, and, and especially on the, again, on the, on the structures and systems that we base everything on. So, you know, we can, you know, do all the little things that we can do as individuals. Of course, that might make a difference. But in the end of the day, hmm. if we don't see it from a political and a corporate starting point and again like moving away from profit maximization uh, as our main target of success and value creation and then I think it's a dead end and then you know mm-hmm. you will have market forces and people that are capitalistic saying oh but there is this like the green economy right where it's just about investing enough in solar panels and windmills <laughs> and all of that but we you know but if we look at if we actually look at the at the numbers, you know, we've never extracted more raw materials from the earth and we have never had higher CO2 levels or e- emission levels, in spite of the fact that we, for years now, have done the so called green trans- transformation. Uh-huh. So something is not adding up. And I think what's not adding up is the idea of eternal, infinite growth. Exactly. So we need to rethink. Like, that's why I'm a big fan of the whole degrowth movement. Um, And it means that we have to live more simple lives. And I think also a lot of people are just so addicted to this uh, sort of commercialized consumerism uh, life that we have been, you know, sort of seduced into Mm -hmm. by years of advertisement and movies and, you know, basically sort of pop culture telling us what to desire. So we have wrong
0: desires, I think, or we have like, we need to tweak our desires and and change our desires. Um, Definitely. And going back to you, Carla, you also empower um, a project called Social Service Club. I would like you to tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Well, social Service Club, that uh, also gives me hope. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's really a passion project. Uh, I've always dreamt of one day maybe I would be able to, you know, invest and buy a property that I could turn into like a living community. Wow. Oh. Um, and that could sort of embody a lot of the things that I find valuable in life. And and through Space 10 and, and you know many years of being a professional it finally happened some years ago and i and i bought a farm one hour south of copenhagen beautiful farm and we turned it into a artist residency me and my girlfriend oh, wow. and uh, so we run social service club as a mix of an artist residency and an alternative educational platform
0: amazing so we amazing. do
1: summer schools we do different kinds of events that sort of mix being together in a communal way with uh, sort of educational elements or inspirational elements, if you
0: want. How did all this creativity come into you? How did it all start for you, Gala? Um,
1: It definitely started through my upbringing and my mom, who was a big inspiration. She, uh, She was a dancer and she had her own dance school or she started her own dance school when I was three years old, which was her biggest dream. And so I grew up in this dance studio uh, every day from I was three till I was nineteen. Wow! Um, and and so I think just being around creative people every day, dancing, you know, f- feeling the joy of life through the body and, and movement, and and also just seeing a lot of diversity in that space, just made and see my mom actually as a producer and a director and a dancer, choreographer. But it was was interesting to me that it was never about her. she was never about putting herself on stage. It was really for her to get the best out of you know the yeah. try and sort of release the potential of every dancer um and I think that really resonated with me so I also feel like my role has become to to nurture talents and to find yeah. ways of helping them fulfill their potential and
0: and thats is what I feel is my main role in. In life, I guess. That's amazing. Um, I've heard something that you've said in some interviews and I really find it super interesting because, um, it, it speaks about something that I think is very important. Uh, Virginia Woolf, as you very, very well know, said that you needed a room of your own, um, to, to have your own space. That, that was very important as a woman. And, um, you've always stated that finding a space, it's also critical, like even Inside your own, finding some sort of space, and um, I would like you. I don't know why do you feel that space is important. Why? Why do you feel that's something essential for you? I, th-
1: I think I, ha- I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think for me, it's actually what I would call sort of the life essential and foundation of of what it means to be a human being that. Can actually, I, I think. Okay, so the world is is a complex place to to live, and I think it's not getting less complex. and And you need to be quite strong, really, to withstand a lot of the the pressures and anxieties that can come from just being a human being. <laughs> and and so I think the spiritual path and the spiritual journey is extremely important for us to as as both individual, but also as a collective, uh, to reconnect with you know, with something that is bigger than ourselves. And I think, you know, the universe, and now I'm taking it maybe to a little bit of what could sound like a little bit uh, airy-fairy in somebody's (laughs) ears. But I think for me, like through meditation and self-exploration, I have definitely felt a much, much deeper connection to to nature and to something, I call it existence. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody calls it God. Uh, For me, I'm not religious in that way, but uh, I I usually say I'm I'm, uh, the most religious person, but I don't belong to religion. (laughs) Um, So I think, you know, but whatever path we all can find to to tune in to what is, you know, what really matters and in the end of the day, how can we find peace with being in a world that is so complex? So I think uh, maybe a very easy way to put it,
0: would be to learn to love what is. Mm, That's amazing. Um, Yeah, that would be the essence, probably. And um, in all these years working and um, dedicating yourself to doing all these projects, I imagine you've learned so many things, but if there was something that you've kind of, you would highlight, that you've learned on this career, and something that you would like to pass on, like um, some piece of knowledge, what would it be?
1: Hmm. That's a good question.
0: Um, I think you know
1: it is to keep thinking about, not only thinking about, but taking actions towards remembering that we are, you know, we, we grew up in an, in an era where we praised individualism. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's important to reconnect to how we can be of service of, to one another another but also to be of service of a greater community uh, in the sense that we can sort of put aside our egos a little bit and think more collectively uh, and, uh, and apply ourselves in a societal way. I think, you know, I get really frustrated when I see all these young creatives now falling in love with this NFT space, you know, where it's like, it's, it doesn't bring any value to anyone, maybe except themselves, if they are lucky, but, um, but but even then, you know, like, then you only consider success being monetary. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's just such an unhealthy path. So I think, you know, think about how can you, in a literal sense, be of service to society? Uh, because that's where the real value lies. And it's also where uh, we have a, an opportunity to create, you know, healthy, good social systems in the end of the day. Uh, and I think we've just lost touch with that. So my advice would be to really be active in thinking about and take actions in help create the society that you think we we need to, to live in, if that makes sense. But it's yeah. know, not give up and uh, find a lot of uh, inner strength and just keep getting up every time you fall down and all of these cliches. But I actually believe... That that is something that I have learned to, you know, to see as a strength and to something that creates not only resilience on a personal level,
0: but also resilience in a collective level. And um, because you, of course, you mentioned your mother as a big influence, but um, we also try to create inspiration through because we think that having female references in the creative world, it's. Something that's critical for all the young women that coming to the creative path, go like, okay, I can do that, I can be like that, or at least have some kind of example to look up to. And um, we, 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 this podcast is sponsored by Shifter, which is a uh, online creative school, and uh, we also um, teach at universities, and we always always see like, especially classes are filled with young girls studying, but then in the professional world, nearly all the studios are led by men. And uh th- there's always that kind of discordance there that we don't really understand. So what would you say <laughs> to those young uh, women that are now either studying or just stepping out to the professional world? Um, what would you say to them?
1: I would say that, uh, first of all, take no shit. I mean, in the sense <laughs> that um, you can do it. I mean, there's nobody saying that you as a woman can't start your own studio. I think much many more women should should dare to to maybe venture into starting their own studios and own practices and also come together as collectives because I think you know it can be a scary thing to be alone but it's you feel much stronger when you come together so you know you sort of unionizing in different female collectives I think can be one way to to create that um to dare to go there and then if you go into an agency then it's also you know it's it's a very good question but you need to learn how to voice what's not okay
0: Mm -hmm.
1: voice what is not fair in a way that uh, will be taken seriously and how do you do that because I think we are up against a lot of uh, stigmas we are up against a lot of biases and and a lot of history and so, so maybe on one hand, search for studios that are led by women or start <laughs> building your own studios. And then we should help each other understand. I think a lot of young creatives, who unfortunately, have very little understanding of the business side of things yeah. because we don't teach that in the creative schools. I do a lot of guest teaching as, you know, as a creative entrepreneur, but really teaching young, new uh, emerging talents in how to think and how to do business and how to do it in a way where you're not selling your soul to the corporate world, but where you can actually bring something uh, of value and something that feels meaningful, not only to yourself and your team, but also to the society at large. And I think these are some of the things where we can come together as women and inspire each other and share notes and share experiences, you know, even down to the point of what do we charge, you know, what is our salary levels, What do we invoice clients? You know, all of these things so we make sure that we are not being underpaid all Mm -hmm. the time and that we don't undervalue ourselves all the time because we're so used to doing that and we're so used to accepting that that it can be hard to even understand what does people or men in particular actually get paid? You know, and how do they manage to pitch things that they have no clue about, (laughs) probably no experience in and still get away with it every time? You know, and why don't women who often... Are you know super you know, well prepared because of the 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 imbalances and and still not being taken as seriously you know some of these things that we need to explore together as we are and mm-hmm. as this podcast is also representative of and I think you know the more we do that the eventually <laughs> hopefully uh we'll see a a future where there's Room for, not only room for, but hopefully even the majority of companies would be led by women and not women that, you know, just replicate the current structures, but actually women that put forward what I call a softer future, a more feminine uh, approach to business as well and to life. Because again, back to where we started, you know, a feministic economy would value a lot of other things than profits and GDP measurements and all of that so but uh, but uh, I think until now maybe a lot of feminists and and women that have made it in business including myself until some years ago was came to success because we started replicating how men did it
0: it was the only way
1: yeah it, it has been the only way and at least I think it was the only way for me to begin with and it actually took me quite a lot of years because I was always really good in a man's world. I thrive in a man's world. Um, but, and I know a lot of women that don't, but I do. So I never considered it a big problem in a way until I started becoming more aware of what was actually going on. Um, and then I suddenly see everything from a, through a different lens and, and I start understanding, okay, this is actually really fucked up and <laughs> it's not okay and we, we need to connect and that doesn't matter if you're a man or woman actually. We just we just need to
0: connect with feminine values. So you are a bit optimistic about the future.
1: I am. <laughs> I have to be. Otherwise I might as well just I don't know, jump off the cliff
0: or something. <laughs> Get it over with? No. I am optimistic. I am um Carla Camila Giorg, thank you so much for this time and for being with us today. That was incredibly inspiring. And I hope you get to teach in many places because we need more voices like you.
1: Thank you so much and good luck with your podcast and uh, everything else that you do. And thank you for inviting me. Thank
0: you. And to you, dear listeners, thank you for being with us one more episode. This wouldn't make sense without you. We will hear from each other in June. But until then, stay safe. And as we always say, smash the patriarchy.